Welcome to Stop Overthinking, the podcast for overthinkers, people pleasers, and perfectionists who want to feel calm and confident enough to handle whatever life sends your way. I'm your host, Kristen Odegaard, a women's life and mindset coach, lifelong educator, and recovering perfectionist. to the Stop Overthinking podcast. I have a guest with us today who is going to talk about simplifying our meal planning and cooking process so that it's one less thing that we need to spend extra time and energy thinking about. So Kathy Davis is here with us today and I'm gonna let her introduce herself and tell you what she does. And um, then we're going to talk about less stress in the kitchen. Oh, I love it. I love that topic. Less stress in the kitchen. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Kristen, for having me. My name's Kathy Davis. I'm a plant-based lifestyle and mindset coach, meal plan expert, and three-time cookbook author. And I help people eat more plants using a meal planning technique. I created a meal planning framework. I've been meal planning for over seven years and I have some nuances to make it easy and help build your confidence and comfort and order in the kitchen. So I'm excited for this conversation. So I know many of you listeners may not be in to, uh, plant-based or that isn't your priority. And I encourage you to keep listening because I think Kathy's framework is still going to be really helpful for us as we talk about that less stress in the kitchen. And we'll also talk about if you are interested in incorporating more plants into your diet or maybe a meatless meal or something like that, where to get started. So let's start, Kathy. We know that planning dinners especially can be really tiring. It's the end of the day. Our time and energy has maybe been used up with everything else. We may not have a whole lot of motivation, even if we have some goals of things that we want to eat or don't want to eat. And so where do you have clients start with this process to make it easier and more approachable? I love this question because you actually even talked about it in your intro to the question. I always have my clients start with their goals. How do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Do you want to incorporate a meatless Monday? Do you want to incorporate different beans? Do you want to incorporate a salad every day? We start with the goal. Maybe you're following macros and you want to have your meal plan aligned to macros. Maybe you're following a specific way of eating, vegan, vegetarian, keto, one of those. And so you have these parameters that you want to meal plan in alignment with. So I have my clients start with their goal. That's the first thing we write on the on our on their paper. And with that, it it's the driving force. So whenever you're looking at a day, you're running the day's plan, those meals, those ideas through this goal. Does this takeout fit my goal? Does this pizza recipe fit my goal? Do these tacos fit my goal? And so that's where we start. Perfect. And 
I love that because I talk a lot on the podcast about being intentional and with the different ways that we live, whether it's making decisions or having conversations with people. And so this is just another way to be intentional with what you and looking forward to just this conversation, anything that we can simplify. And if people can take, you know, one or two takeaways from it, that is great. Um, Know that you have a four-step framework that you talk about. Tell us a little bit more about your framework. Absolutely. So the framework really, it encompasses in that first part, inspiration. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make And especially those of us who might want things to be perfect and we want to do what everybody else is doing. So we want to try all the new recipes and we want to try this new cookbook. And so one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that when they sit down to meal plan, they clear off the kitchen table and they get their meal planning template or book or whiteboard that they bought and every cookbook they own. And they start with that first cookbook, that one that they saw on Instagram that they had to buy. And they start at the beginning and every cookbook starts with breakfast. And you even mentioned it in your intro. Dinners is probably a harder time. I'm not saying that breakfast can't be challenging when people are going all over the place and getting the, getting the day started and maybe lunches need to be packed. But oftentimes we're so tired at, at, at the end of the day, we, a dinner plan would, would make a lot of sense and it's a great place to start. So what I teach as as the first piece of the framework is to gather inspiration through life. You're on Instagram and carpool line and you see a recipe, you jot it down, you add it to your notes, you are driving down the highway and you see a billboard for burgers or nachos and you think, oh, nachos, that would be fun. We're filming this right before the Super Bowl. That would be fun. Fun. I'll make that for the Super Bowl or any other special event or occasion or something that you, you would, where inspiration would come. So you gather all these inspirations. That is a critical piece in the way that I teach meal planning, because it's not about sitting down and going from cover to cover in a cookbook. And I have three of them. So obviously I want people to use cookbooks, but it's really about living your life and gathering inspiration as you're living so that you have this running list of ideas. And it doesn't have to be a recipe from somewhere else. You could be having a conversation with your partner and they might say, you know, it sounds good. Spaghetti sounds good. And you're like, spaghetti, I'll put that on the list. Everybody likes that. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, just these simple, easy things that simple, easy ideas, they don't have to have a full recipe. It can, it can be a very simple veggies and and rice and protein or spaghetti or tacos that you already know how to make. You put it on your meal plan with intention. So you start the framework. The framework starts with this inspiration gathering. The next phase of the framework is all about the plan. And in my meal plan accountability club, I teach different variations of this. One of them is very, it's, it's detailed. We do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We do it in accordance to your schedule. So if you know every Tuesday it's chaotic at home and you end up at the takeout, you end up getting takeout, but you don't want takeout. Maybe your goal is to not eat takeout, to eat at home more. You meal plan maybe leftovers or a crock pot meal or something that is as fast as takeout, but you don't have to put all the effort in right then. And so we that's the second part we really take into consideration 
the inspirations that you have. And then we pull that all together with your goals, your schedule. We plan. I encourage my clients to bring their calendar for the week that they're planning or the days that they're planning. If they're only doing half a week, because some people only plan three or four days. And then, you know, as the week goes on, they kind of fill it in. And so then step three in the framework is carrying out the plan. This is the execution. This is waking up in the morning and looking at the meal plan and saying, oh yes, it's taco day. I really like that part of just intentionally putting that into the planning and as well with mornings and too, if you're, you know, planning and prepping, maybe that's a, a priority in the mornings or, or maybe it's not, but to just figure out with your schedule and then reflecting on that to know, hey, this works on these days and this doesn't. So I think there are just some really great aspects of that framework. So thank you so much for sharing that. When, Absolutely. When you start with clients and they have done like none of this, where do you where do you start? Like, because it, it can seem overwhelming to do all of this. So what's the starting point? Do you mean none of it as far as planning plant-based meals? Like they're standard American and moving towards plant-based and trying to meal plan? I would say even just meal planning in general. Maybe it's been a goal, like I know it works better and, you know, I can shop more efficiently at the grocery store if I have this plan done ahead of time, but it seems like I never even have time to sit down and do my plan. So, you know, how do, how do I start with meal planning? Uh, so this is a really good question. And one of the things that I start all of my clients with, no matter if they're coming to me as a brand new meal planner or new to my framework of meal planning, or if they're brand new to plant-based or eating more plants <laughs> is to do an audit. Where are things already working in your life? Like, are you already crushing the morning routine? You've got your breakfast, everybody's happy. So what does Monday look like? Maybe Monday you cook two meals. You cook the meal you're going to eat and then you prep some things for the next day that can easily be thrown together for maybe a quick fried rice or heating up burgers. Like you could make the burger Monday night and warm them up the next day. So just looking at ways that you can leverage the time you do have and plan for that time where it's a real crunch point. I know for me personally, oh, over time, that's something that I'm aware of. And I really, I don't like cooking and that's a whole nother conversation. So for me, the less time that I can spend doing it, the better. And so I make larger portions. I'm a leftovers person. And for me, I would much rather eat leftovers than have to, you know, start from scratch and come up with something again. I can eat a lot of the same foods. And so I know that works for me, but it took some time to be able to figure that out. And there's also times with my kids where they're not so eager with the leftovers. So I hear that. We alluded to it a little bit. So that's where we we start if, if somebody hasn't been meal planning at all. And so whether it's the same person or, or maybe somebody who's, their goal is just to incorporate some more plant-based items. Maybe it's to have another serving of vegetables with their meals. Um, maybe they want a whole meatless meal. You hear lots about meatless Mondays or things like that. So if somebody isn't used to having an entire meal, again, where do we start? 
again, I, I reference my audit because it gives you that glimpse into where you're already eating things that are plant-based and what some of those small swaps can be. Let's say you are eating overnight oats for breakfast, but you're using dairy milk and you want to make them plant-based. It might be a simple swap to just substitute in almond milk or soy milk or oat milk or a milk alternative, not a plant-based milk. If you are, you know, if your family loves tacos, what other fillings could you use that are plant-based? Do they love potatoes? That was one that won me over. So my plant-based story for those of you listening, and I'll just give a real quick, a quick synopsis because I think it's important. I was extremely resistant to going plant-based. I grew up in a meat eating household. It wasn't on my radar. My husband thought it was a great idea. He liked to cook. So he won me over with plant-based by using familiar foods. Potato tacos were one of them. He would take just all-purpose potatoes, cut them up small, cook them in potato or in taco seasoning, and, and eat, we'd eat them in a taco shell with all of my favorite toppings, lettuce, tomato, olives, vegan sour cream. Sometimes we used vegan cheese. Sometimes we used avocado. So just auditing what you're currently doing and then looking for recipes that use familiar foods. I always say, I was not won over by tofu and tempeh in the beginning. So I don't suggest that to people, but a really easy, fun plant-based meal is a baked potato bowl or bar where you bake up a bunch of potatoes. Maybe you make a vegetarian chili, uh, maybe you use vegan cheese or a, a vegetarian cheese or just a dairy cheese that, that would be vegetarian. And then you have all these other toppings. If you have kids, maybe it's tacos, maybe it's pizza. And so you have all these different veggie toppings and you have them try different things. But I'm not here saying you should eat tofu because some people don't like that. It's an acquired taste. And so looking for those ways that you can incorporate more familiar foods is a really good place to start. And I'm happy if, you, if you're listening and you're like, I want a good idea, connect with me on Instagram at Veg Inspired. I have over 300 recipes from my cookbooks, from my website that I'm happy to share. And like I said, I was resistant. So I have a lot of recipes from our early days that won me over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I And we'll reference some of those links uh, in the, the show notes and again at the end. But I wanna go to just your story a little bit and you saying that you were kind of resistant to going down this path. I love talking about the mindset shifts that have to happen to make sustainable changes. So from your perspective and your story, can you share with us some of those shifts you had to make in your mind to been on this pathway for over 10 years? And we ate a huge Thanksgiving dinner with all the fixings, all the standard American fixings. And my husband kept saying, I don't think this is the way we should be eating. And I'm like, I am not giving up burgers and blue cheese dressing. I mean, I was heels dug in adamantly not doing it. And I remember we went to a plant-based or vegetarian or vegan festival. And there was a shirt that said, eat more plants. And I'm like, I might not be ready to go vegan or plant-based, but I'm willing to eat more plants and see how I feel. And so for about six months, I was eating more plants, more salads, allowing more diverse salads. I grew, like I said, I grew up in a meat eating household. We pretty much had iceberg lettuce salads with carrots and cucumbers and tomatoes and chickpeas. I mean, they were not diverse. There was no beets. There were no radishes. 
There was no peas on my salad. And now I, I love lots of colorful vegetables on my salads. I love pickled beets. I mean, things I never thought I would eat. And the more I allowed myself to explore this as an idea of eating more plants, the more I realized that I wasn't missing out and that I could find good tasting food that satisfied me. And I think in those six months, we probably tried over a dozen veggie burger recipes because I was adamant burgers were a big hangup for me. I loved them. And I grew up in Western New York. So Buffalo wings and blue cheese, also a big hangup. And we did a lot of Buffalo cauliflower, breaded tofu tossed in Buffalo sauce. It started to become more about the taste and the texture than it was about the actual ingredient. And so the more, like I said, the more I explored, the more I was okay. And then I had a pivot moment because as I was eating more plants, I was allowing myself to watch some of the documentaries and some of the information on animal agriculture and and the welfare of animals. And so that started to really seep both into my heart and in my mind. And I was actually planning our wedding. And every time I met with the caterer, I asked them to swap out something like, can we do eggless pasta? Because I don't want to eat eggs anymore. Can we do this? And it was my bridal shower. And I, there were animal products, there were cupcakes and my friend made deviled eggs. And, you know, I, I ate my share. And afterwards we went out into the field because her, her family raised cows and one of the cows had had a baby. And in that moment I was like, oh, and it, everything I'd read and learned all came to a point. And I call that my pivot moment, like six, seven months in. And with a snap of a fingers, I, I remember looking at my mom in the car on the way home and I'm like, so I think I'm vegan now. <laughs> it's all an evolution. And I really do believe it's a mindset shift and it, it comes down to, you know, the clients that I work with, they come to me and a lot of them are like, I'm trying plant-based and I'm like, I think in order to be successful, you need to commit inside. Like it needs to be a full mind and body commitment because if you keep saying you're trying it, then you're going to keep just trying it. But if you're like, I'm in it, right? The pivot moment. So if if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm, I'm all in for meatless Monday, like I'm willing to try that. Or I'm all in for eat more plants and eat more plants mindset where I'm, you know, looking at my meal and saying, how can I add that extra scoop of vegetables? How can I have a salad before every meal? Can I substitute chicken stock for veggie broth just to up the veggie content in my recipes, right? Like just those little swaps can be, can be helpful when you're making this transition or when you're in this eat more plants phase of life. Yes. And I I love that too. Um, because I think for so many people, it's all or nothing and there is, merit to doing that. But if there is that subconscious resistance, then it just seems like it's not working and I'm done. And so for those who, again, trying can only work for so long, but you can also do going to add a veggie to every meal or that I'm going to make sure that I have five servings of you know, fruits and vegetables every day or whatever, whatever it is and committing to that one step at a time to be able to get to the point where you can say I'm all in. And 
that can be helpful than this, I have to do it all or nothing, especially if it's not just you in your household, whether it's a partner or kids or other people, because their resistance um, or acceptance is going to be part of how it all goes down to. Absolutely. Environment is so, is so critical to the way our mindsets are, are able to shift and the way the environment and that support. And I also too want to just say, you know, I'm a very pragmatic vegan. I'm, I really truly believe that one of the biggest shifts that I've personally had, I was vegan for five years and then whole food plant-based for the last four. And honestly, in this whole eat more plants journey, I feel the best when I'm eating more whole foods. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't even know where to switch in vegetables. Look at where you might be eating processed foods. Is your hand in the goldfish bag? Could it be grabbing a mandarin orange or carrots and celery and hummus or granola or trail mix? Like where you can actually see the ingredients versus the processed foods. Because to me, that shift made me feel so much better and was a lot more attainable because those foods are readily available. I don't have to go to a special grocery store to buy oranges and apples and carrots and celery and hummus. I can just go to any grocery store and buy those things. I'm not, I don't have to look for the vegan option. And so that made this way of eating a lot more sustainable. I'm, I don't know if we're going to touch on it, but I do travel the United States full-time in an RV. And so I don't have access to the same grocery store. I don't always have access to the Whole Foods and the Trader Joe's with all their vegan labeled things. And so eating more Whole Foods, all the grocery stores have apples. All of them have carrots. I mean, many of them have organic carrots, which is even better. My husband and I live on five pound bags of carrots, carrots and hummus, Mary's crackers and hummus, like minimally processed foods. And so if you're sitting here thinking, I don't know where to switch this in, don't necessarily think it has to be this massive shift with your dinner. Just look at the things that you're eating throughout the day. Can you sub in a fruit or vegetable as a snack instead of a processed snack? Can you grab a more whole food option like oatmeal or whole grain toast with avocado versus white toast and butter right. or something like that? Like just looking at different mm -hmm. alternatives. Yeah, I think those little steps can be so helpful. I know for me personally, I've found rice cauliflower is like my best friend because I can put it into most anything and because it's small, I don't mind the taste. And so it's just an easy, if if I'm making an omelet, I can throw it in. If it's um, something in the crock pot, most of the time I can dump it in, you know, soups, what, whatever. I, I buy great big bags of it frozen and already done so that I don't have to mess with it. One thing like for me, because I have been making an effort to do more plants and that's just been a, a simple add in um, that I've put where, you know, does a recipe call for cauliflower? No, but eh, I'm like, ah, it can be in there. It's fine. <laughs> it's so. the same thing with greens and, and, or like spinach or shredded yes. kale. You could easily, you can throw spinach, shred like finely shredded kale or even finely shredded uh, cabbage into soups. Um, you can throw a handful of spinach or two handfuls of spinach because once you add stuff to it, it wilts down to a very small amount mm -hmm. to the bottom of maybe a burrito bowl and mm -hmm. reheat, you know, reheat your rice with the spinach in there and it, you don't even know it's there. And I actually know people who put cauliflower, riced cauliflower in their oatmeal, like their warm oatmeal in their smoothies, 
one of the one of the questions I get a lot, and this is just like a bonus tip for those of you listening, is how what do I how do I feel about protein powder? I get that question all the time. Yeah. And I'm I'm very whole food focused. So I look for the whole food options. There are whole food mm-hmm. protein powders out there that you can buy that are already done, but you can also throw a couple of tablespoons of beans. You can throw a couple of tablespoons of hemp seeds or chia seeds or any of those higher protein seeds into your smoothies. You can use a higher protein plant milk. So something like a, like a pea based milk or um, soy milk that, that can increase the protein, just little things like that. You might not even think about a bean in my smoothie, but a couple of tablespoons, you don't even notice. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like some of those easy swaps and I'll do, even if I have, um, you know, yogurt or something like that, which of course it, it's not vegan, so, so to speak, but, you know, I can put chia seeds in there. I can put flax seeds in there and have, you know, some, some of that extra sort of nutrition sort of thing too. I know when people are going, um, you know, more, we'll just say more plant-based protein in general can be a concern in terms of, especially if it's an active person, um, that, or they have a partner maybe who just doesn't feel as full and wants some more of that protein. So where are some ways you can protein count when it's more of a plant-based focus? Definitely beans and lentils and also things like quinoa. So one of the tips that I give people, especially if they're new to eating something like quinoa is go ahead and make a batch of quinoa, go ahead and make a batch of rice and then mix them together. And then that way you're getting some added protein to that rice. The other thing that I've found is especially working with people who are new to this is that a lot of us come into this, me included, that's why I use the word us, bringing old mindsets with us. So when I went whole food plant-based five years ago, I followed the starch solution, which is a high starch way of eating. 50% of your plate is a starch because starches are very filling. And so you have your, your potatoes, your brown rice, your beans all count as a starch. And then the other half of the plate was your non-starchy vegetables, your broccolis, your greens, and all of that. And so when you think about that, Many of us, like I said, especially me, I was very afraid of the starches because I was afraid of the result because for so long in my life, starch was, you got fat from eating starch, right? But what I found was it wasn't the starch. It was all the high fat foods that I would put on my starch, frying my starches. So potatoes, uh, or I'm sorry, French fries, putting butter and sour cream and bacon on my potato, like these high fat foods. And so what happens I find to a lot of people is they come into plant-based eating with these previous beliefs about food. And so I, I always encourage people starting this is to really look at, you know, what are the goals? Because if the goal is to eat balance, if the goal is to eat mostly plant-based, if the goal is to look for alternative proteins to animal products, a couple days a week, one day a week, a couple meals a week, whatever it is looking at them from um, what, what is the swap and what does the rest of your meal look like? Things like broccoli, spinach, nuts, all of those can be, are much higher in protein than we give them credit for. Brown rice has protein. Oats have protein. 
they might not be as the equivalent to chicken, but when they're compared, when they're combined together, your lentils and your broccoli and your quinoa or your lentils and broccoli and brown rice as a whole balanced meal that may give you enough protein and give you enough satiation so that you aren't hungry afterwards. I also encourage my clients to track how they feel. One of the most satiating foods in on this food satiation index, if you didn't know there was one, there is one, are white potatoes. They rank at a 300 over like your standard white bread. So when you're thinking about that, can you, you know, chop up a couple potatoes and throw them in a, in a bean soup? Can you serve a baked potato with your meal? Can you boil potatoes and have them as a snack? I mean, that's what we do. We boil yellow or, or I'm sorry, gold or red potatoes. And we'll have them as a snack with hot sauce or ketchup, or I might chop it up and mix it with some plant-based mayo, a cashew aioli, and make a potato salad. Just ways to incorporate more of these heartier foods. Yeah, that mindset piece is so important. And I know I've been kind of in the fitness industry for a couple of decades too. And, and so when you see people who are counting macros or you get the whole low carb sort of thing, and I'm in my forties, so there were periods of time, right? Where it's just, you know, carbs were bad or fats were bad. And so we get these mindsets that we're stuck in about certain foods being good or bad. And there's lots of processed crap out there that most people could Maybe it tastes good, but it's probably not good for you. And we could probably all agree on that. But when it comes to whole foods and, and potatoes, I think are one of those where it has gotten a really bad rap of being high carb or, you know, something that we want to avoid. And even with beans or, or some of those that have just been not as well accepted sometimes, depending on what, and just because it was something that you adopted 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever, or it was the way that you grew up that you had to clean your plate or, you know, have a uh, meat protein with certain veggies on the sides. But it doesn't mean that you have to continue that way or even that it's true or that works for your body right now. And that's a lot of the, the coaching that I do too. Like, okay, that worked for you at one point. And do you want to stay with it? Because you don't have to, like, it's not the ultimate truth. <laughs> and we can certainly shift into something else. It might be very well ingrained in you, but we can shift to something that aligns with your goals right now that you can still be intentional about. And we can do it in steps if it's too big of a leap all at once. Absolutely. And really, when we think about doing it in steps, like it doesn't have to be today, you go out and buy five pounds of potatoes, and you start eating potatoes with every meal, right? Like it can be very much an intentional shift. And, and again, tracking how you feel seeing how you feel after a meal. If you're not full after a plant based meal, look at what you're eating. But one of the things and I this happens a lot is I'll have a client come in and say, Okay, I'm going to eat really light plant based. And I'm like, yeah, but all of your calories have to come from plants now. So a cup of spinach isn't going to keep you full. Do you know what I mean? Like it's really this, this new, it's this new way of thinking and this new way of looking at what, what the meals need to include. And they really just, there's not a thing they have to include. It's more about enough of the food so that you're full. 
You mentioned it as well. And out of curiosity, so you live in an RV full-time, which can be, just be fascinating for folks. And so you're cooking and planning and doing this in a smaller kitchen than maybe lots of these listeners are. So it certainly is possible. But also, where are you right now? And where's your favorite place? And the other fun fact is we travel with two cats. So... Yeah, so we're hoping that our new cat will become a a hiking cat, but not oh. at the parks because you can't take pets into the park. Right. At the other trails. Okay. We're hoping. And how often do you guys stay in one place? We 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 it's kind of varied. We really like month long stays because we both we both work. We, my husband works for a company, and then I run my own businesses. So we both work during the week. And we like to explore on the weekends. So we'll typically stay somewhere for a month. We'll be in Big Bend for a month. Then we have a couple of stops. Then we'll be in New Mexico for a month. Then we have a couple of stops. Then we'll be in Colorado for a month. And then moving from Colorado back east, because we typically spend most of our time on the East Coast, we're actually moving weekly, which will be a new adventure, a new grocery store every week. And so I always say to people like, when you walk into your grocery store, just take a deep breath and give thanks that you go into the same grocery store. But if you have habits in your grocery store that you want to break, go to a new grocery store because you can't find any of the things that you usually buy. So you just buy what's on your list. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Well, thank you for those anecdotes because that's fascinating to me and a, a different, different lifestyle, but also that you can plan and eat well, regardless of where you're at and what your lifestyle may look like. So uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about plant-based eating or meal planning and share all your links? Sure. So I already mentioned Veg Inspired on Instagram. Uh, that's I manage my own Instagram. So you're talking to me. So if you have questions, feel free to direct them right there. And if you are interested in learning more about what I do, veginspired.com. But I also wanted to gift you something to start with. So one of the things that we use in the meal plan accountability club and what I use with my clients is a meal planning template. Now, I don't believe in planning for you because I feel like it takes your personality, your preferences and your goals and your time away from you. So I'm gifted, I'm gifting you all a meal plan template. You can find it at veginspired.com slash meal plan template. So it's veginspired.com slash meal plan template. You can download it and then come back to this episode and listen to it again. And when I walk through the framework, you know, start to gather those inspirations that you have, start to look at the template and you'll see where you can put those inspirations right on it. You'll see that you have room to add in the calendar things that are on your calendar and then go through the planning process through what we've talked about today and, and let me know on Instagram how it goes. Fabulous. And I will link that again in the show notes as well. And thank you on Instagram for these posts. So thank you so much, Kathy. Is there anything that you want to close with? You know, first of all, thank you so much for having me. But the other thing I wanted to close with, and I love that this kind of came up is start seeing yourself as a meal planner, shift your mindset into being someone who plans your meals because you likely plan your vacations. You might even be somebody who 
plans the errands that you run. I'm going to stop here and then I'm going to stop here and then I'm going to stop here. So let that bleed over into planning the meals with intention so that you can actually eat the foods that you want to eat. So I'm going to leave you with that. Shift your mindset into being a meal planner and let me know on Instagram how it's going. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Stop Overthinking Podcast with Kristen Odegaard. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else who would benefit from the message. To learn more about working with me and links to social media and free resources, head over to my website, coachwithkristen.com. That's Kristen spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. Have a great week.